And welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy, your host here. Timmy Button's working the boards. Well, we played that song, not because the Patriots aren't champions yet. I mean, well, they are. You know, Tom Brady is a four-time Super Bowl champion. But that song was played for the guests we're supposed to have right now. But we're having trouble tracking one John Serenades of XNOJoe.com down. Uh, But... Maybe the good he's... news, it looks like there's an incoming being answered out there in office land. Oh, that Maybe that's him. John. That could be him, because that's the way things work around here. What? Why? Why would the call come through to the studio? <laughs> that would make too much sense. But uh, anyhow, uh, John Serenades will be joining us hopefully shortly. Uh, he is a great football writer, breaks things down great. He comes on the show a lot. Uh, yeah, that is him. He just texts me. He's calling. Says he's ready. Um, and his high school team that he coaches, King Philip, out of Rentham, Mass, uh, won their Super Bowl down at Gillette Stadium on Saturday. So we played. We are the champions for him, and uh, hopefully we'll be joined by him soon. Um, and we will discuss, of course, uh, the record-breaking win by Tom Brady, uh, 201 wins in his illustrious career. Pretty amazing. You know, I tweeted yesterday, and I want to get John's take on this as well, but I tweeted yesterday, look, we got to admit, New Englanders and Boston sports fans, uh, you know, since about that first Patriots Super Bowl win that they celebrated yesterday at halftime uh, against the Rams, um, since that first Super Bowl win, 
we as Boston sports fans and Boston sports media covering it as well, myself, we've been very spoiled uh, and lucky. And, and I, don't, I don't mean spoiled in a bad way, but I mean we've become accustomed to greatness and accustomed to winning championships. And we can just see it and, you know, you'll hear it here on this show. you hear it on most sports talk shows. Patriots come away with a win and everybody's nitpicking them and looking for things to complain about and, and, and criticize. But that's what happens because they, they, everyone's so used to winning and, and winning the championships and that and, and all the greatness and the, and the, the success that we, we've had as a region uh, since about 2000, 2001, 2002, around there. It, it's amazing. And so I, I, I think sometimes we don't appreciate it. You know, and I, I remember I was walking down the hall here today. I forget who I was talking to. And, you know, like, oh, he's, he was going to get the 201st anyways. Big deal. <laughs> you know, but it is a big deal. Like, if we were in Indianapolis right now, to be making a much bigger deal about this. I mean, th- this guy has 201 wins. He, he's arguably, in my book, the best quarterback ever, but arguably the best quarterback ever. He, he's just a legend in front of us, a living legend, and enjoy it, embrace it. Like, you're witnessing history, man, and it's it's something to see. So. The real history being 31 games faster in a 16-game season. Think yeah. about it. Yeah. Two effing years and he's, faster. And he's 39. And he, he's playing like he's 29, even when he's hurt. So it's pretty amazing. And I'll have to talk about that and all things Patriots and uh, also just discuss uh, a little bit of his championship as uh, King Philip took the Super Bowl in Massachusetts there is our good friend John Sarnades. Coach, congratulations. Thanks, my friend. Really appreciate it. Yeah, must have been a thrill, huh? Yeah, it was. It was awesome. You know, our kids played great. Um, you know, they executed. Uh, they hung in there. The game was, was back and forth. It was the best game of the day. Um, by most accounts uh, of the six Super Bowls, and, and it was the prime time game, and, and our kids really, you know, when when we needed to make some plays and we needed to get some stops, they stepped it up and did that. And they've been doing that all year, so it was a nice win for us, twelve and first state title in school history. So um, it was really a special season. Now this was the Division One A, right? Division One A Super Bowl. That's right. Yep. That's Maybe awesome. Memorial High School. Oh, that's really cool. And, you know, I, I got to ask you, I mean, obviously these are kids going in and, and they're young and they walk in there and I, I saw some pictures uh, on your Facebook, uh, you know, sitting in the tunnel waiting to go out there. And what are the, uh, what's the tempo, the temperature of the team like at that point? And I mean, how bad are the butterflies at that point? Uh, well, they're bad. I, th- I think that obviously playing in a championship game, naturally you're going to be nervous, but I think also playing it in that venue, uh, you know, and it's not so much about all the Patriots play there. This is where, you know, the, the, the Patriots win football games and whatnot. It's, it's just the enormity of the venue. I, I think that and knowing that the Patriots play there, I think, is a bit overwhelming in the beginning. And it's not just the kids. I, I found it to be a little overwhelming in the beginning. In the first series, um, we lost the coin toss that we received. It, it was tough to get acclimated to that environment in the first mm-hmm. series. And it took us a couple of series to really get into it as both a team and as coaches, because again, it's just it's an enormous venue. You've got the you've got the you know the jumbotrons and you've got the the scoreboard and everything else. And it takes you some time to get used to that environment. But once you do, you realize it's a football field. The hashes are a little different. 
but it's a football field and let's just play. Let's just do our thing. Let's just execute our game plans in all three phases and see if we can win a football game. It's, you know, I always, uh, even pros will talk about, you know, having anxiety and being nervous in a, in a grand stage like that. And they, they always say in hockey, they're like, I want to get that, I want to get hit. And once I, once somebody nails me with a big hit, that's when I'm going to know I'm into it. And that's, that's what sort of gets me into that, that flow and, and zones everything else out. Is it the same thing in football? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because regardless of whether or not you're playing at Gillette Stadium, at home or away, there's a certain amount of butterflies, both from a player standpoint and a coaching standpoint, that, that go into the pregame process. But once you get out there and once you, you, you get hit the first time and once the, you know, the first series is out of the way on either side of the ball, and once you call your first series as a coach and then you get into it and you're engaged and the adrenaline gets going, then that tends to dissipate and go away. But there's no question that there's more butterflies in the belly the bigger the game is. And so when you know you're playing either a rival or, or you're in a must-win situation or you're playing a big game, you think about it more, there are definitely more butterflies. If you're playing someone that you know you're better than and you're going to beat, there's less of that there. You know you know that as long as you execute, you don't, you don't suffer a key injury early, you're going to be fine. And in the case of the Patriots yesterday, they knew that they were playing an inferior opponent. They knew that it was only a matter of time before they got into it and they got engaged. Yep. That's a great point there, and let's talk about that game. Um, you look at that game, there was some talk from some pundits around the, uh, the, the Boston area and the sports talk stations. One of them uh, saying, uh, I don't care, I'll, I'll throw him under the bus, I don't like him anyway. Mark Bertrand in 98.5 <laughs> said uh, if he was coach, and this is why he isn't coach, he would have sat Brady and Bennett heading into yesterday. Because they're going to need him, they're going to need them later more, especially now with Gronk being out and and Bennett playing banged up and, and Brady's banged up and everything. Like, I I don't know. I just found that to be either maybe he was just looking to be a lightning rod for con- controversy and light up the phone lines. But if he really believed that, I mean, he's got to he's got to check his head again because how first off, how are you going to tell Tom Brady to sit any game when he has a chance to break a record? All right. Second off, you can't tell Tom Brady to sit any game. He's just not going to do it. Maybe it's the preseason, who knows, but not in the regular season. And third off, last I checked, they're in a pretty crazy back-and-forth battle with the Raiders right now uh, for the top seed in the AFC in the playoffs, where it's a tiebreaker based on strength of victory and schedule going down a stretch run here. And, uh, you know, every little game, every little down, everything counts. Whether It doesn't matter who the team is on the other side. It all counts. And I would think that uh, that didn't cross the mind one bit of the Patriots. No, no, not at all. I, I, that, that's a foolish statement to make. And as far as I'm concerned, why would you sit Tom Brady or Martellus Bennett? It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up. You're, you're in a playoff race. It's week 13. You need them to play. You're essentially tied with the Oakland Raiders for the number one seed in the AFC right now. You know how important home field advantage throughout the playoffs. You saw that last year when they didn't have it. You should want to play the divisional playoff game here, the AFC Championship game here. And those games take on an even more added importance now that Bob Gronkowski's done for the year. Exactly. You, you have to play those games here because you're missing such a big part of your offense. And, and yeah, people might say, well, what difference does it make? It makes a huge difference <laughs> on the psyche of your football. Yeah. So now, I, I don't agree with him. I, I, I think that's nonsense. I think it's a bunch of garbage. And while, yeah, it might be a quote-unquote hot take, it's a senseless take. And yeah. maybe... 
a guy like him can get away with it because he's at that station. But the reality is that's garbage. That That's nonsense. No one should take that with any kind of a grain of salt because it's just foolish. And anyone to say that home advantage doesn't matter in the AFC title need look no further than last year. I mean, that if that game against Denver... And a lot of people agree with me on this, and I think you want to. That game's played in New England. The Patriots win. That's the Patriots it. Patriots win that football. That's all. Game. No doubt. I remember sitting there watching the, the the game against Miami, and then the Jets game too. That they, you know, and, and realizing okay, they're not going to have home advantage. And I, I remember looking at my mother and her friend and saying, "They're going to Denver, and they're going to lose." How do you know that? I'm just telling you, they, they will not win in Denver. It's that tough a place for them to win in. In the postseason, and sure enough, it happened. Now the Broncos are in a situation. I mean, they're, as we speak, they're in the playoffs, but they still could miss it. I don't know if it's going to have to go through Denver necessarily. It looks more like it's going to go through Oakland, um, and that's why I want to talk to you about this Raiders team right now. <coughs> Excuse me, not to get too far ahead, but if you look at this team, amazing comeback yesterday. Don't get me wrong, and they are for real. This is a a, a very good contender in the Oakland Raiders. However. I look at them and I look at, you know, some of the teams they've been struggling to beat and having to make comebacks. And while I think it's great that they have the ability to make those comebacks and win the games, I also wonder about that defense there. And and I look at, you know, people are criticizing the the Patriots defense every week. And we hear, you know, they got to do this better, they got to do this. And if they play a real team, they're going to pick them apart. But at the same time, their top contender in the AFC, in my opinion, with the exception of Mac, I don't think they're any better on defense than the Patriots. Do you? No, I don't. I don't either. I, I agree with you there. I don't either. They've played better on defense the last four or five weeks, but when you compare the two defenses, they're not that far apart. Neither no. one of them is a championship caliber defense per se. You don't look at them as a championship caliber defense because they haven't played at that level this year. Now, Oakland's had to come from behind in a lot of games. They're an offensive team first with Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Ladavius Murray, uh, Clyde Warford. They've got a lot of nice pieces from a skill set standpoint. But defensively, while they've played better, their secondary is a liability. And if you can block up Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin, that's the only pass rush they get. They don't really get an interior pass rush. And they don't like the pressure a lot. Ken Norton Jr. came from Seattle, similar system, not a high percentage blitz defense. So, yeah, when you look at the Raiders, they've been a nice story, and they're 10-2. and two. But two things to keep in mind here. One, to your point, defensively, they're not playing at an elite level. They're playing at probably a similar level as the Patriots. But the other thing is their schedule. They still have to play Kansas City. They're in Kansas City this coming Thursday night. Mm-hmm. They still have to play in Denver. So those two games, in my opinion, are going to determine whether or not they end up the one seed or the two seed. When you look at the landscape in the AFC, Jimmy, they're probably going to end up one of those two seeds. Unless they lose the division, and they end up in a wild card. But I don't know if that happens. But certainly, the Raiders have some warrants to them as well. Yeah, so I, I think, I mean, right now, I, I'm not... I think they're definitely a challenge, but I'm not overly worried about them down the road. But the Patriots got to get through a lot of things before that uh, game ever comes, if it does. But let's look at yesterday, though. Tom Brady breaks that record. And I was saying, as, as we were uh, getting you on the phone here and bringing you on, uh, you know, I think people around here... Got to take a step back sometimes and just appreciate what they're witnessing with this man. I mean, you know, in my lifetime, I I got I came in watching hockey at the tail end of Bobby Orr. I did get to see Larry Bird play a lot growing up, you know, and 
Um, I did see Pedro Martinez a lot, you know, but when you're in the moment sometimes, you just don't realize it. And it's then later on in life, you look back, and, wow, man, he was really good. And wow, we were lucky. Like people need right now to just step back and embrace this and stop looking at the negatives all the time and stop saying, oh, big deal. He broke. No, it is a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's too bad Roger Goodell couldn't see it that way, but it's a huge deal what Tom Brady did last yesterday. And I just want to get your take uh, on what it's like for you to, to be in the New England area this, as a football guy to, to see this living legend in front of us do what he does week in and week out. It's awesome. I always ask the question. I don't care whether it's local or nationally. How do you not like Tom Brady? He's greatness personified. He's everything that's great about the sport of football, everything that's great about the NFL. And I know people will say, well, he cheated. He doctored footballs or you know, there's been the PED rumors and his trainer and this and that. And, I, you know, how do we know he's clean? I don't want to hear in that, Don. I don't want to hear this <laughs> BS that he cheated and all this other crap. The guy, to your point, is a walking legend. He is greatness personified. And as far as I'm concerned, if you don't think it's a big deal that he's the all-time, win, all-time wins leader for quarterback in the NFL, that you don't know anything about football or the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah. So, it's absolutely a big deal. It's a major accomplishment. And here's the thing. He's not only going to be the wins leader this year, he's going to be the wins leader for a long time because assuming he plays at a relatively high level for another year or two, which knowing him he probably could, provided he doesn't suffer a major injury, he's probably going to he's probably going to get to, you got to figure, 230, 240 maybe, even if he plays another three years plus. If he gets to 240, 250, no one's touching that record. So, as far as I'm concerned, people can sit here and say whatever they want. People in New England love to bitch and moan about nonsense. The yeah. fact of the matter is, this football team's 10-2 and two without their primary receiver in tight end Rob Gronkowski. And this guy just won his 201st game as, a, as your starting quarterback in 16 years. Shut up, stop complaining, embrace it. This is, a, this is the home of a pretty good football team, and people need to act like it. Yeah, I mean, it's, we've just been spoiled, you know, and I, I guess, you know, people just take it for granted, but... I. It, I was just sitting there, and I'm watching that game, and, and you know, as it wound the clock wound down, and I'm just like, you know, 20 years from now, I'm going to be telling my, my, my daughter, my, you know, maybe if I ever have a son or something, you know, I'm just going to be telling youngsters about this, and they're going, what was it like to see Tom Brady? And, like, like I'm seeing this. You know, I've gotten a – I've had the, the luxury and the – the privilege of covering him, and I've had the privilege of of just watching him as a fan, and it's uh, it's an amazing thing to watch, and I, I just think people need to appreciate it more. But listen, Coach, always a pleasure, and uh, again, congratulations on the win. I know that must be great for you, and we'll, we'll get you on down the line again. All right. All right, sounds good, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right, that's John Serenades of XNOJoe.com, Fanside.com, and. Super Bowl Division 1A in Massachusetts, winning coach with King Philip. Congratulations to them from the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Our next segment, we'll stick with football. We'll bounce around the NFL with our good friend Cole Wright of the NFL Network. So stay with us. The stretch run will be back. Boards. It's a Monday. It was a snowy sleet, icy Monday to start, it's cleared up a bit, it's supposed to get cold and freezing again tonight though, and eh, one of those, you know, ugh. it's nothing like a little Beastie Boys that'll wake you up, I hope that did, and I hope you ride home if you're on your way home from work or school or on your way to practice or what have you, or you're just sitting home toasty with a uh, 
a hot chocolate or maybe an Irish coffee. You listen to us. Uh, thanks for listening here to the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. And as we do every Monday and Friday at this time, we are joined by Cole Wright of NFL Network. Cole, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing excellent, man. I'm doing a whole lot better than you guys. Uh, they just told me snow in Nashville. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, not, not fun. Go I'm ahead, rub it in, rub it in. I'm good on that right now. You know, I actually had to, uh, you know, had to turn the air conditioner on when I left the gym. <laughs> you know, it was a little, little, little warm, <laughs> you know, around my neck of the woods. But uh, enough about that. But I'm doing well. How are you, brother? I'm good, my man. Hey, we saw uh, a team from your neck of the woods out here yesterday, the LA Rams, and of course uh, the Patriots took care of. They did just. First of all, Cole, before we get to the the Patriots side and Tom Brady, I I, I just want to ask you. Um, this was a pretty tough week for Jeff Fisher, and yet he still gets an extension somehow, despite not knowing the other team's roster, despite not being able to find the replay flag in his jacket. Uh, why is Jeff Fisher getting an extension uh, from the LA Rams? You know, you know, I'd say more power to him. First off, you know, <laughs> he had a big jacket. There were a lot of pockets in it. Because, you know, sometimes things can get lost in there. You know, I mean, I mean, I, I know you put on a pair of jeans and put your hand in the front pocket and found some money before. Yeah. So you figure, you think to yourself, like, how do I lose a ten dollar bill just like that? So you know, a challenge flag, and you know, in a multi pocketed NFL Los Angeles Rams coat, you know, sometimes it's easy to lose. But uh, you know, I, I think maybe that they, they just thought it would be the best situation for us right now to, to get him locked up, and if anything. You know, it doesn't play out the way we would like it to. Then, of course, you know, it, it's it's at their discretion to cut ties. So, you know, obviously, all, all contracts can be voided by one or, or more parties. So, you know, it's, they're not it's not set in stone, but it, it is a nice piece of peace of mind for Jeff Fisher. So, I, I absolutely give him give him uh, all, all the all the credit in the world for going out and getting them to be able to do that for him. They're talking uh, on some airwaves here about, you know, the Patriots. I forget what it's at right now. Is it, It's like 11 of the last 12 seasons they've had double-digit wins, right? Four, 14. 14. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, you know? 2003. Actually, we did that as a full screen yesterday. Okay. Uh, the, the 49ers are the only team, you know, from the 80s and 90s. Uh, they did it 16 seasons. So it, it's been 14 straight seasons now for the Patriots since 2003, man. So, yeesh. It, it's unreal. It's unreal. And, yeah. and yet, and yet, here's a guy in Jeff Fisher who I think they said only had five seasons. Uh, and all the time he's been coaching between Tennessee and the Rams, only five seasons where he, he cracked the 10-win plateau. Um, it's, you know, I don't know. Hey, more, like you said, more power to him. But I, I just, I don't think he's that great a coach anymore. However, I think what he is doing for them and maybe we don't see it enough and from everything I've read and heard he's helped a lot with with promoting the team and the organization as they settle into LA and acclimate themselves there and so I imagine that has a lot to do with it no yeah you know I I mean it's it's almost like when you go to a restaurant you you don't something goes by and it smells really great you don't don't exactly know what it is and you don't know why you just you just had that feeling you know I'll, I'll have what he's having so whatever, whatever Jeff Fisher's having right now, you know, and, and he's, he's getting people to overlook his track record, and you know, he, he, obviously, you know, he, he is going to be here for for at least two more years. The, the contract that's what the extension is. So, like you said, you know, it's it's questionable because he, the, the lack of double digit wins, the lack of things that are usually usually closely associated 
you know, with contract extensions, you know, some of those things aren't there. But you know, it, it, there's more than than one, you know, than than one line to this story. Pretty much is what it is. You know, there's there is also the fact that you know this is a team that has moved halfway across the country, and just this first year being in transition. You know, they're all the way out at UC Irvine where they're working out, and then they're coming all the way over here. It's like everything is is, is so back and forth and back and forth. It's not as as clear cut and and concise as, as many would like it to be. So I think that he he's worn many hats. So yeah. I think maybe next year will be the true litmus test. Okay, even though you're still doing all this traveling, you didn't have a cross country move intertwined with at the very beginning of the season. So you know, we'll see. We shall see. We shall see. Let's go look at the other team, though, that they play. They're the Patriots, who beat them 26-10. to 10. But, of course, the bigger story was Tom Brady breaking the all-time record for wins with his 201st win. Uh, just an, an outside perspective. We were just talking to a, a local reporter here, and I was saying how, you know, some some places are, are treating it as a big deal as they should, but others, people, you hear some in the media, and a lot of fans are just like, ho-hum, let's complain about the defense, let's do this, and, like, Hey, hold up a second. Take some time to embrace what you're seeing in front of you and what you have the privilege of seeing in front of you. That you're you're around this legend and this greatness uh, so often. And uh, I almost feel like the, there's too many people here in New England taking it for granted. I mean, this is stuff that we may never see again. Some of the things that Tom Brady is doing. And I just want to get your take from an outside perspective there. And you've been in this market as well, so you've got a great yeah. perspective. How great is Tom Brady? I mean, you know, and it's funny you say a lot of people are, you know, kind of like, oh, well, no big deal. Like, it's not that great of a record. But uh, last time I looked, there's been a whole lot of quarterbacks <laughs> to play the position in the National Football League. And Tom Brady is one of only two men with 200 or more wins. And that, that, that says something right there. Yeah. And I, people are like, well, you know, it's it's a product of longevity. I'm like, that's not remarkable in and of itself. Just the amount of time that he's played. Like I like to see the average guy in the street who d- diminishes Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or, or Brett Favre or any of the guys near the top for winning games because it's only about longevity. That oh. guy could probably not even last a quarter in the National <laughs> Football League. He's going to get right, he's going to get his bell rung and he's going to be you know, he's going to reti- be retiring like Eric Crouch, you know, sooner than later. So you know, it's it, just when you look at that, it, it, it's strange to see. So. I think I think Tom Brady going out there and getting this it was huge. I mean, obviously it's been, there's been a build up and he's been working his way towards this, you know, over the years. Yeah. But to actually get that W and to know he could be almost two, maybe three, potentially four years from from being done. It's insane. Putting a lot of cushion, a lot of distance between himself and whoever's coming after him next. Because so, everyone always talks about. You know, Aaron Rodgers, clearly. Oh, Aaron Rodgers, he's the best. He's, you know, he's just as good as Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. Well, hold on a second. Slow down. Yeah. You might want to pump the brakes. Pull back <laughs> on those pedals there for just a second. Because what Tom Brady has done and what he will continue to do, it's unbelievable, man. He's one of the best there is. It really is. And, and you know, we, we should feel privileged to have been able to cover him and just watch it as fans. Hey, uh, a lot of great 4 o'clock games yesterday. I mean, there was an awesome one, obviously, the Detroit-New Orleans and the 1 o'clock. There. And I, I think, you know, people can say all they want that, oh, well, New Orleans, yeah, they're great at home. But, well, the Lions went into New Orleans and they... They beat them in New Orleans. They did, man. And, and like, this wasn't a game where they had to, uh, 
come back from behind. I mean, they, that was a full effort by the Lions there. And I, I think they have uh, made a statement to the league like, hey, we're coming. And we're, we're, we plan to be playing after the, uh, the end of this regular season here. Uh, just your take on the turnaround that they've had this season. I love it, man. Because I've always said, you know, Matt Stafford, a, a gamer. I'll take him Me on too. my team any day of the week. You know, and when it all starts with the quarterback, it, it, it's an, it's infectious. You know, he loves to win. He puts it all out there. And I think the, the thing that really made me a fan of Matthew Stafford back in the day was when he got when he got hurt and busted his shoulder and snuck back in the ball game. You know, his coaches are like, where, where, where's he at? Where's he at? And they look out on the field and, oh, there he is, by the way. Yeah. So, you know, that's the kind of guy, man, he's not going to be held down. He's going to do whatever it takes to win. And, you know, it, it's funny that during the offseason he said, you know, this – this is one season that he feels better prepared for than any other season that he's ever played because of the lack of Calvin Johnson. Like, as crazy as that is, and everyone's like, what the heck? What is he talking about? Does he make any sense? But it does make sense. It does. In fact, when you know anytime you're in trouble, well, I can just throw it up in this guy's direction because guess what? Even if there's, there's three defenders on him, chances are he's going to reel it. So when you don't have that go-to, that 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 usual well that that you're used to, it it makes you, you know, go through all your reads. It makes you vary your looks up a little bit more, and it makes you get more people incorporated. And not just that, in in the whole time that you're trying to find that new Calvin Johnson, you might find two Calvin Johnsons, three Calvin Johnsons, or you might find a Golden Tate, yeah, or a, a whole host of other guys who are going to get it done for you. And that's what Matthew Stafford has found, man. And just the fact that he's Throw for 5,000 yards in his career once, and everyone always says, well, he had Calvin Johnson. Well, so what? Think about all the quarterbacks that had Randy Moss. Yeah. That had, that, that, that had Jerry Rice that never threw for 5,000 yards. Think about the receivers that Drew Brees didn't have, and he threw for 5,000 yards. So if you can throw for 5,000 yards, you're, you're instantly a bona fide quarterback in the National Football League. And Matthew Stafford's done that. Now he's winning. In Detroit, you know, it's not it's not, you know, the flashiest destination. So it's not like guys are, you know, tripping over themselves to go play for the Detroit Lions. And right now they're they're poised and they're gonna win the division, man. I yeah. really believe so. They, I mean there's four games left for them and the Packers. Aaron Rodgers says they can win out, but we've seen him make bold predictions before and you know, this team is that, that Packers team is so hot and cold, you you never know. Yeah. And right now this this Lions team is hot. They are and I'm gonna have to ride with them, man. And I'm happy for Lions fans too. I mean, that's uh, you know, it's kind of like Cleveland has been for so long. they they've just been starved for uh, for sure. a good team, and it, it, it's good to see them have that again. Hey, listen, Cole, always a pleasure, my friend. Oh, and quickly too, how awesome was the ending of that uh, that Chiefs Falcons game? I'm telling you, man. You know, it's it's we it's almost like the, the first half of the season set us up for this back half. Yeah, you know, we there was a lot of snoozers in the We're first lucky, half. We're lucky, man. You know, it's it's. It's just how it went down, and I think right now, you know, this back half is, is looking really good. You know, tonight's going to be a great game. It's going to be, uh, you know, a, a good one on Thursday. That's going to be a, a, followed by another, you know, a Sunday night football game. That's going to be great. Obviously, Cowboys and Giants can't beat that. So, and then it'll the, be a great week of football. And then the Patriots Ravens on Monday Night Football. I mean, absolutely, wow, absolutely, you can't can't beat that. Exactly, be good. I mean, yeah, I mean, the game just keep getting better. Now they're starting to flex them out here towards the end, so yep. they're all going to be good from here I'm on out. I'm psyched. I'm psyched. Hey, where can we find you tonight, my friend? 
tonight on Total Access Endgame on NFL Network, uh, 11.30 Eastern time for you guys. We go up, uh, even if there's a few minutes left in the game, we'll still be on. We'll be chit-chatting about that and a few other things. And, and then at uh, midnight for you guys, we go on live. It'll be the show of record, and you know we'll get all the sound from the game tonight. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll knock it out. Sounds good, my man. We'll be watching. I appreciate it, all right? No doubt. Thanks, man. All right, that's Cole Wright of NFL Network. Join us here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. Going to switch gears and talk some hockey. Assistant General Manager of the Florida Panthers joins us next. Eric Joyce here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. Vinny and I talked about it after the second. Let's get through the rest of the road trip. Let's maybe evaluate till the middle of December. And then if things aren't going good and you want to make the decision to let your art go, then that's probably the better time to do it. But, you know, obviously the decision was made sooner. I've never caught a glimpse of how the others must see the I'm much too fast to take that test Ch-ch-ch-change it Turn and face the strange change it Don't wanna be a richer man Welcome back to the stretcher on here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy, your host here. Timmy Button's working the boards, filling in for Justin Sullivan. And as promised, we are joined now by the assistant general manager of the Florida Panthers, Eric Joyce. Eric, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good, my man. Thank you for taking the time. I know uh, you're on your way over to TD Garden right now for the uh, the Bruins Panthers, eh? Uh, no, I just got off the bus. Not- I'm yelled at by the guy. Yelled at by the guard staff right now. Uh oh! You tell him you're on with Murph. Tell him to shut up. (laughs) See what I can do. Yeah, I hear you, buddy. Hey, listen, good talking to you, and I hope you uh, had a good. We haven't talked for a while. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving holiday. But um, obviously, uh, at the tail end of that weekend, uh, some big changes around the organization. Your role in terms of managerial responsibilities has increased with uh, with Tom Rowe heading down to the bench. as interim head coach for the rest of the season, but we heard him explaining uh, what happened there. And um, you guys have taken quite a bit of criticism for this move across the league. And uh, obviously, you you're there, you're in the midst of it. Everyone else, it's just you know they're looking at it from the outside. Um, but I want to play some clips uh, regarding what Tom Rhodes said there. The reaction of the Hockey Night in Canada panel. Uh, up on Sportsnet this Saturday, and then I want to get your reaction to what they had to say about the move. So here we go. Sure. Go ahead, Tim. Vinny and I <laughs> talked about it after the second. Let's get through the rest of the road trip. Let's maybe evaluate till the middle of December, and then if things aren't going good and you want to make the decision to let your art go, then that's probably the better time to do it. But, you know, obviously the decision was made sooner. Last weekend, Tom Rowe gets the word from Vinny Viola, get rid of the coach. 
You know, it was an interesting reaction, and I just I was texting around, you know, asking some people, what do you think? And, you know, there were a couple of general managers who couldn't believe his honesty, that, you know, you've got to be on the same side as the owner. And I think that was the number one reaction, Ron, is what is the owner going to think? Is he going to say, wait, I want, I pay you to, to handle that? Or is it going to be an owner who says, I don't mind people knowing that I'm the one in charge? Well, you know what's going to happen now, then? They're just going to skip Tom, and they're going to start asking the owner to step up at the table and start answering questions. And to me... Uh, is that what you want? Is that what you truly want? Because to, to Tom's credit, he's honest, but a lot of general managers are paid to take those type of hits. What would you as a the player owner? think? How about the players in that room? I would, gonna... I would skip Tom, too. I yeah. would skip Tom, too, and I'd say, okay, listen, it's abundantly clear from that interview that you are the decision maker. You are running the team. Tom looked Elliot in the eye and said, I'm just the messenger here, and I don't think that's really a good thing for Tom Rowe moving forward. Well, the messenger. All right, Eric, so some pretty harsh criticism there, but I would like to think from what I learned doing a story on you guys last year and, and the ownership and the managerial um, department there at the Panthers, and then just from getting to know you and what you've told me of Vinny Viola, um, that I would lean more towards what Elliot said, what Elliot Freeman said in the beginning there, where this is, this is more... Vinny wanting to say, yeah, I'm owning my actions. I'm owning my decision here. And if you got something to say, you can come to me. And I don't think he's going to look at it the way that Nick Kipios uh, and Kelly Rudy looked at it, where they're thinking maybe this was uh, Tom Rowe kind of throwing Vinny under the bus. This is just Tom Rowe being honest, saying, hey, this is what our owner's about, and he's going to stand by his decision. I- am I correct? Well, you're, you're 100% correct. I mean, listen, one of the things – that, you know, both Vinny and I have gone, have gone to West Point, and, and we, we tell our players this as well. You know, you control your attitude, your preparation, your work ethic. And above all else, you're accountable, you know, to the person you're left and right. Uh, Vinny leads that way. Leadership's about service, Jimmy. And, you know, Vinny believes that he's serving the team. He really believes that what he did was in the best interest of the team, short, medium, and long term. Um, you know, uh, he got plenty of guidance and opinions from others. But, you know, the real story isn't what Vinny did in this one instance. The real story is, as the salary cap continues to rise, owners are going to have a larger say in uh, where their money is being spent. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it would be – I can't tell you how many times I've been on the phone with other teams and I've said, would you do this deal for this deal? And they say, I need ownership approval. So it's, it's sort of comical to think that guys who spend 10, 20, 30, 40 million dollars in some instances a year, you know, to make sure that professional hockey teams can play in certain cities don't want to have a say in where their money's being spent. You know, what, what our job is, is to provide Vinny with, with the best recommendations, the best courses of action. Uh, how we feel like we're going to implement those courses of action, what our fallback plans are if certain things don't pan out the way we think they're going to, given the situation on the ground. And then ultimately he's the guy who says yes or no. You know, and that's, uh, that's true of any hockey team. There's no hockey team that has complete impunity from their ownership group. There's no group, I think, that is divorced. You know, the, the red herring in this room is it, it's kind of been, it, it's been scripted as analytic, versus uh, versus old school, you know, versus the eyeball. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that that's a red herring, you know, because we use publicly available data and 
we hand that data to our scouts and say, of these 20 players, which ones are the best that you guys think? And they say, I don't like any of these 20 players. I like this guy on this team. And we look that guy up and say, yeah, he's not bad too. Okay, let's, let's make him a target. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if you just replace the term analytics with facts, you wouldn't have an argument. A shot on that's a fact. You know, a hit's a fact, a block shot's a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when people use the term analytics versus old school, it's a red herring to what I think is really going on, which is money continues to increase. Ownership, uh, ownership is going to want to have a, an increased say in whatever team they're dealing with. And ultimately, you know, I think what, what scares a lot of people, and it scares people in any industry, is people are going to be held accountable for the decisions they make and the money that they spend. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really, it's really a situation where, you know, accountability is the story, not, not what happened. And, and listen, Gerard, I just want to say this about Gerard. He's a great human being, first and foremost. Um, it, was, it was a pleasure working with him for as long as I got the opportunity to work with him, and the same with Mike Kelly. Um, but, but it was pretty clear that there were philosophical differences between the way that Gerard wanted to play um, and the way that Vinny thought he needed, you know, that Tom thought he needed, that I thought I needed, that Steve thought he needed, that Dale thought he needed to play to, to win in this league today. You know, and, and we try to address that with him multiple times. Um, and it just became clear that, that, that the differences were growing and, and they, weren't, they weren't subsiding. And, and, and therefore, we made a decision to, to move in a different direction. And, and, and he's a good coach. Like, he, he did everything he could to try to get the guys we had ready to play every day. Players love him. Uh, it was a shock to the players. Um, you know, they, they take – they feel like it's, a, it's sort of a shot to management at them uh, as well, and, and, it, and, it, and it really it really had everything to do with kind of the philosophical uh, ways we thought, you know, you construct the team to compete and win today versus um, the ways Gerard did, and it's unfortunate that it came to this. I mean, we never thought it would. We gave him a two-year extension, uh, and like I said, he, he's a guy that has almost no ego, uh, thought he you know he was a perfect guy to, to coach this team and and unfortunately it wasn't the case so we, we won't get into details of what those philosophical differences are but based on what you're saying just to clarify it wasn't it was not analytics versus old school it was a combination of those things and just a, a meaning like your idea of how things need to be are a combination of analytics and old school so to speak in his ideas, were a combination of analytics and old school. It wasn't specifically as the public has grown to see it from the media trying to portray it that way. It wasn't specifically analytics and old school butting heads. No. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm, you know, if we're playing the Bruins tonight, I know people are watching or listening on ESPN up in New Hampshire. I'm sure they're Bruins fans. Like, our analytics report tonight says Marshawn, uh, Marshawn Bergeron and Pasternak is a good line. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would I agree with those analytics, and so does the human eye, right? <laughs> so you know, make sure that uh, when they're in the ice, we play this line or, or this D pairing because this <laughs> line or this D pairing are, are are fit to to you know to suppress, hopefully suppress or, or at least limit their ability to generate shots and scoring opportunities. Like 
that's it. No numbers, no percentages, no, uh, you know, craziness going on with, you know, formations or anything like that. It literally was, uh, part of a, part of a pre-scout where we would, we would look at numbers and distill it down and then say, what are you guys seeing on the film? We're seeing this. Okay. Numbers are telling us this. Are you guys seeing that? You know what? Yeah. In fact, I saw that or no, I didn't really see that. Let me look at another, let me look at a, you know, a game or two before. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. This game, they were doing that or Nope. I haven't seen this for three games straight. So I don't know why, why are you think the numbers are saying that maybe it's just noise, you know, so don't worry too much about this. Focus more on that. You know what I mean? That's yeah. That's gotcha. sort of, then that's all it is. It's just a back and forth discussion. Gerard was open to that stuff. He, he, like, he, he didn't mind it. You know, it really just was, it really just came down to, to how we wanted to employ personnel to, to execute what we thought were pretty simple game plans and, and that he thought were pretty simple game plans. It's just he didn't, you know, he, he had one way of thinking about things and we had another way. And, you know, it's unfortunate. And like I said, he's a great coach. He's a great man. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. The Hockey Night Canada stuff, like, you know, Don Cherry, I, I respect Don and, and his contributions to the game. And, you know, he gets paid to have an opinion. And, you know, I'll just I'll just say, you know, we'll see. Yep. So, I hear about you. it. Well, listen, uh, let's look at the, the team on the ice now. And, I guess, your thoughts on how they have reacted on the ice. You, you said they were shocked off it, but uh, since that happened, what's been your take on what you've seen there leading into this game with the Bruins tonight? And and maybe, I mean, it's I know it's only a small sample, but some of the things that maybe you were looking for that weren't there, have they been there a little more in the last couple games? Uh, I would say, yeah, they have. You know, first, first and foremost, credit goes to the players for just sort of putting – you know, a bad and tough situation behind them. You know, players always are the ones who win the game. You know, mm-hmm. we just try to give the players as many resources and put them in the best situation possible. Uh, but the credit, the credit goes to the players. You know, first and foremost, you know, what, what we did, you know, was as a group was, you know, I flew to Chicago, Matt Codwell, my classmate at West Point, president and CEO of the Panthers, he flew to Chicago. Uh, we sat down with the leadership group at, at various points. We explained to them why we did what we did. Mm-hmm. We allowed them to vent to us about their feelings and, and why they were upset. Uh, and, and after that, I, I couldn't tell you the, the positive response from the leadership group was, hey, thanks for just showing up and, and taking the heat. Uh, and honestly, like again, that's what leaders do, right? Yep. You know, we, we, we made the decision. We own it. We're going to show up and take the heat. And, and they said, you know, this wouldn't happen and, you know, or this hasn't happened when this has happened to me in the past. You know what I mean? Like we showed up, we explained it to them. We walked them through why we did what we did. Um, they understood it. And, and we said, listen, we're here to give you the resources you need and put you in a position to succeed. We want everyone to, to focus on winning. And that's, that's what we think we could do here. And you know, to their credit, they played a great game in Chicago. They played a hell of a game in Detroit. Two emotional overtime games. One we lose in a, in a shootout, and another we lose or we win in, in overtime with a nice goal by Barkov. And then, you know, Ottawa came out and jumped on us for, you know, five minutes. Yeah, they're sneaky Saturday good, night. eh? They're a sneaky good team, man. Yeah, they are. And, and they jumped on us for five minutes. And then, you know what they did? They played. They played like New Jersey. They they, yep. they kind of trapped in. They 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 gave us 
they gave us the defensive zone blue line if we had possession, and, and really they, they held their, you know, their off, our, you know, the offensive zone blue line with their D and did a heck of a job you know, making sure that any opportunities we had were limited to one. Uh, so credit to them. You know, honestly, we got our best scoring chances on the power play or the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. You know, we had seven penalties that game, so it was a bit of an odd game. Um, but I think guys generally were positive. I thought, you know, guys thought, hey, we can play a lot better than that. But tonight's a big test for our boys. Obviously, we're looking up at the Bruins, and, you know, we definitely need to get two points here. But, um, you know, I, I think in the three games since what happened happened, guys have been, you know, professional, positive, um, you know, we instituted some simpler D-zone coverage systems, um, you know, kind of given some guys the green light in the neutral zone to, to pressure or attack a little bit more. And, and that's, that's really, you know, that's really it. So guys have responded well to, to all that, plus being able to compartmentalize what happened, put it in the past. And quickly, uh, before we let you go, you, you face, you're going up against a, a similar team, uh, and the Bruins, Ottawa there, and, you know, they've leaned heavily on Tuka Rass. When you get a goalie that's been in the zone, he's been in like that. Uh, what? How do you approach that as the opponent? Is it more of just doing what you got to do and worrying about what you do as opposed to worrying about what he's doing? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, know yourself. You know, if you know yourself and you know your enemy, you'll never lose a battle. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, what we have to do is, is do what we do best, which is get pucks in, win puck battles down low, uh, try to get pucks in that. And a guy like Tuca, you really have to really have to get traffic in front of him mm-hmm. because if he can see the puck, he's going to stop it ten times out of ten. So, um, you know, it's a situation where you know, our guys have to battle through some adversity. They're going to play against bigger uh, physical defensemen. They're going to have to take it and, and make sure that they, they get in Tuca's grill a little bit to, to make sure he doesn't see the puck the whole time. So, All right. Sounds good. Well, listen, uh, get in there, enjoy the pregame meal, my friend, and uh, enjoy the game, all right? <laughs> that sounds good, Jimmy. Thanks for talking. All right. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. That right, is Eric you. Joyce, the assistant general manager of the Florida Panthers, joining us here in a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. And uh, we're going to go right back to TD Gardner. Our next segment, we'll talk to Joe Haggerty of CSNNE.com as he gives us the Bruins side of this tilt coming up between these Atlantic Division rivals, the Panthers and the Bruins. So stay with us. The Stretch Run will be back. All of the 